Welcome to Until One Day, the podcast for every kid who loves stories and the grown-ups who love them. All stories originally written and performed by Karen Robinson. In today's story, Princess Pansy and the Wise Old Men, a little girl finds a way to spend more time with her father, the king. Ready? Okay, here we go. Princess Pansy and the Wise Old Men Princess Pansy spent every morning in the garden with her baby brother, helping him make mud pies and digging holes taller than herself. Then she squirmed her way through a hot bath, and when she was clean again, she would bolt down her lunch so she could dash down to the kitchens, where she always found her mother, Queen Eleanor, conspiring with the head chef to make a dozen kinds of pie for dinner that night. For hours she would roll out dough and chop up fruits for the filling until it was time for the whole family to gather in the banqueting hall to gobble down the feast. This was her favourite part of the day because she was allowed to sit next to her mother on her left and with her brother across from her. But most of all, because on her right hand side every night sat her daddy. King Gregory VII, protector of the Far Isles, ruler of the Ivory Mountains, potentate of the Pythagorean Sea, tickler of toddler tummies, and teller of the funniest knock-knock jokes. Princess Pansy's father was a very busy and important man. So even though he loved playing thumb wars with her over their soup and making up silly rhymes during the fish course, More often than not, he didn't get to taste any of the many, many pies that Pansy and her mom had spent the afternoon cooking up with the chef, because almost every night their meal would be interrupted by one of the wise old men coming to take her daddy away. Her daddy had loads of wise old men who spent all day with him whispering and murmuring over bits of paper or pointing at maps. As far as she could see, They never had any fun at all closed up in her daddy's throne room, and the more time he spent with them, the less happy her daddy was. There were two wise old men in particular who seemed to come and take her daddy away the most often. One tall and thin with a long grey beard and thick curly white hair, and the other short and round with a bald head and beady eyes. The tall wise old man and the short wise old man didn't seem to agree on very much, except that they both always seemed to agree that Pansy's daddy should come and spend time with them and stop spending time with Pansy. And Princess Pansy did not like that, not one little bit. So as soon as they were gone, Princess Pansy asked politely to be excused from the dinner table, as her mother had taught her, and then she ran as fast as she could to the throne room and pounded and scratched and screamed at the heavy oak door. But every night there would be no answer to the ruckus she was creating until, after what seemed like hours, the tall wise old man would open the door just the tiniest crack and say, Run along now, grown-ups are talking which she found infuriating. Or the short, wise old man would peek through and say, Nurse, would you please remove this nuisance child? Which was even worse. But sometimes, just sometimes, if she was quick and if she was lucky, she could catch a 
tiny glance of her rosy-cheeked, green-eyed daddy, looking wrinkled around the forehead and rubbing his neck as he stared at piles and piles of paper covering every inch of his royal desk. And she did not like what she saw, not one little bit. So in her rage and her frustration, the princess would run to the farthest and highest place in the castle, the tippity-top room in the south tower at the top of a hundred steps. The south tower had windows on three of its four sides, facing a different scene to each side. The east window framed the silvery sea where ships came in with every tide and unloaded wriggling fish and exotic spices. This was the coastal kingdom of Dearth. From the north window, the princess could see the bright green forests, where her father's own huntsmen rode their fierce horses every day and brought back delicious meats for the royal tables. From the west window shimmered the bejeweled castle towers of the Kingdom of Blessed, made rich from the precious gems and gold that they pulled out of the ground there. And the princess would shout her anger out of each window until she felt a little better. And so it went, every night. Until one night, as Princess Pansy was being tucked into her royal bunk bed by her queen mummy, and was snuggling in with her royal teddy, she finally said, It's not fair! The wise old men get to spend all day with daddy, and I don't even get to see him for a whole hour at dinner, and he doesn't even like being around them. They make him sad and cross, but I make him giggle. He shouldn't let them take him away. And her queen mummy was silent for a while, and finally she said, You're right, it isn't fair, is it? But daddy has to do boring king things all day and all night. Think how awful it is for him. But mummy, wondered Princess Pansy, why doesn't he just tell those horrible, grumpy, no fun, wise old men that he isn't going to play with them, he's going to play with me? Because, said Queen Eleanor sadly, he isn't playing at all, he's working. And the work of a king means having to solve lots of problems. But mummy, pleaded the persistent princess, I am really very good at solving problems. He should let me in the room at night and I will help him solve the problems quicker. Then we have, when we have solved all the problems, he can finish early that night and we can play checkers. And the queen laughed, and she promised that she would speak to the king about it. And she must have done just that, because the very next night, when Princess Pansy had been pounding and scratching at the throne room door for just a few minutes, the door opened wide, and standing right in front of her was her own huggy, silly daddy. Well, hello there, Princess Pugglekins, he said, grinning. Hello there, King Pugglekins, she replied, beaming. Sweetie, look. I'm so sorry Daddy is always busy, but there are lots of important but boring grown-up things I've got to do right now, he told her sadly. I'd definitely rather be beating you at checkers, but he waved behind him where the princess could see a very annoyed-looking cluster of wise old men tapping their feet and waving their papers. Don't worry, Daddy. I know you've got the kingdom to worry about. I'm not here to play checkers. I am here to help you rule, declared Princess Pansy firmly. And she pushed past her crinkly-eyed Daddy King and marched up to the King's desk, crowded with scrolls and papers. 
Behind the desk, there was a little stone niche filled with candles, which the princess carefully moved onto the floor before hopping up into the little space and perching there herself. This is absolutely and utterly unacceptable, huffed the short, wise old man. This child, and he pointed at Princess Pansy, will be a nuisance and a distraction and has no business being involved in the business of state. For once, butted in the tall, wise old man, my learned colleague is correct. You, and he also pointed at the princess, sitting calmly in her tiny cave-like seat, will be nothing but a bother. There are matters here of the utmost importance. This is not a place for frolicking and games and... He paused, as if unable to imagine any further what sorts of things a child might do. And etc., he finished. Oh, I'm not going to play at all. I'm just going to sit here and listen. After all, I am the princess, so Daddy might need my help one of these days. But this suggestion seemed to cause all of the wise old men to swell up and turn red quite suddenly. You, bellowed the tall old man, are not the king's adviser. He relies upon me for economic and financial expertise. What could you have to offer? Your advice is almost always wrong, sneered the short old man. But at least you have the qualifications for the role, and the king relies upon me to advise about foreign policy. I cannot conceive what he could possibly find anything that this child might have to say of any value whatsoever. The king, said Princess Pansy's daddy, King Gregory the Seventh, protector of the Far Isles, ruler of the Ivory Mountains, potentate of the Pythagorean Sea, with an icy but calm tone that everyone in the room recognised as being his angriest voice. The king himself is the one who decides who stays in this room and who goes, who advises him and who does not. And I say that for now, Princess Pansy is welcome to stay. He shot a steely look at the cluster of old men who seemed to have shrunk in size. Provided, he added, looking at his daughter, that the princess does promise to remain silent and stay in her seat unless she is asked for her advice. I'm sorry, Princess Pugglekins, he added in a soft voice, but I really do have a lot of things to be dealing with. I promise, King Cugglekins, the princess vowed. And so, from then on, every night after dinner, the princess would make her way to the king's throne room, open the giant oak door, and march past all the sniffs and glares of the wise old men into her cosy niche behind her daddy's desk. She watched as people came and went, and all the people who came seemed to want something from her daddy. The first day, a woman came to beg for meat for the people of her village, and the princess learned that there wasn't enough food in the kingdom. She discovered that the crops had failed and the people were hungry. She learned that the hunters of the northern forests were the last remaining source of food and had become heroes to the people with their speedy horses and brave spirit. The next day they were visited by a jolly delegation of fishermen from the kingdom of Dearth, who smelled of sturgeon and haddock. They brought a gift of a dolphin carved out of a single piece of driftwood, which delighted the princess. 
The tall, wise old man was trying to make a deal to buy some of their fish, which he hoped could make up for the kingdom's food shortages. But the practical fisherman explained that it was a solid three-day journey by ox cart from the Silvery Sea, and the fish would go off before they arrive. This seemed to infuriate the tall, wise old man, although the princess didn't think it was the jolly fisherman's fault that the fish go off. The next day, her father was visited by the ambassador from the Kingdom of Blessed, who shouted at the short, wise old man, and the princess learned that the kingdom was nearly on the verge of war with the neighbouring Kingdom of Blessed, who were threatening to invade so they could pass freely through her daddy's kingdom to trade their magnificent jewels across the Silvery Sea. And on the next day, things got about as bad as they could be when the brave hunters of the northern forest strode into the throne room with sombre faces and empty hands. Your Highness, said the tallest and strongest of the hunters, there are hardly any animals left in the forest. We have been out riding all day with our fastest horses and cleverest men. We found nothing. Our people are starving, hollered the tall, wise old man. You must go back and keep trying shouted the short, wise old man. Is there anything more you can do? the king asked gently. I am as sorry as I can be, your highness, said the hunter. My men are the best riders and hunters I have ever known, but no amount of skill can hunt an animal that isn't there, or get food from a forest that is empty. And the hunter hung his head, and stared sadly at his green felt hat which he was clutching in his two hands. I thank you, replied the king somberly, and the hunters strode from the room. After they were gone, it seemed like everyone in the king's throne room all started shouting at once. The tall wise old man and the short wise old man both said that this was all the fault of the other. Although the princess couldn't see that either of them was at fault for the failure of the crops or the depletion of the forest. Other of the king's advisers seemed to think it was all the fault of the Kingdom of Blessed for not having longer-lasting fish, or the Kingdom of Dearth for threatening them with war. Her father sat silently in the midst of them all, picking up one piece of paper after another, and then putting them down again, as if hoping that the answer would be written there. Princess Pansy found it more than she could bear. She was worried for her father, and sad for her kingdom, and desperate to think how the people could be fed. As no one was paying any attention to her, and since she couldn't think of anything else useful to do, the princess did what she always used to do when she was too sad and frustrated to bear it any more. She dashed out of the room and ran up the hundred twisting steps to the tippetiest top room in the South Tower. With her heart beating from the climb, she whirled around the room in a dizzy circle and let the scenes from each window blend into each other at speed. The seaside kingdom of Blessed to the east, the forest to the north, the bejeweled kingdom of Dearth to the west, fish to the east, horses and hunters to the north, wealth and jewels to the west, fish and horses and jewels, valuable jewels and edible fish and fast horses. The princess was getting dizzy, and she came to a sudden stop and waited for her head to clear. When she was sure she had the ground solid under her feet again, and the facts straight in her head, 
She made her way back down a hundred twisting steps to the great oak door of the king's throne room. When she pushed the door open, she saw an ugly scene before her. The wise old men had broken out into open fighting. Some of them were pulling each other's hair. Others were rolling around the floor, kicking and punching. The tall wise old man and the short wise old man were nose to nose wrestling in front of the fireplace. The princess strode past them all and walked straight up to stand in front of her daddy, who was still at his desk with his head in his hands and his eyes closed. The princess stood silently in front of him. After a moment, he opened his eyes. Father and daughter looked at each other. The king said, I know you promised to keep quiet unless I asked for your advice. The princess nodded. The king continued, None of my advisers seem able to help. So I am asking you, Princess Pansy, heir apparent to my kingdom, champion of checkers, digger of gigantic holes, baker of pies, do you have any advice for me? I do, Daddy, said the princess. Then advise me, daughter, ordered the king. And at this, the tall and the short wise old men broke away from their combat and scurried over to the king's sides. Your majesty, you must not, began one. She's not qualified to advise, interrupted the other. Silence, bellowed the king. My daughter has something to say. I was just thinking, said the princess, that the kingdom of Bless doesn't really want to go to war with us. They just want a way to get to the sea. Why don't we let them use our road, but ask them to pay a little bit for the use of it? Like a toll, said the king. Yes, I think, replied the princess. The king said, that may be a good idea. It isn't, interjected the tall wise old man. And it would be nice to avoid invasion from the west, but it still doesn't help us feed the kingdom. No, agreed the princess, but... You could take the money that they pay us for that, and we could use it to buy lots and lots of fish from those jolly fishermen in Durth. They've got loads of fish, even if it is a little more expensive than we could normally afford. You silly girl, broke in the tall old man, quite rudely. Weren't you paying attention? The fish can't last that long. It's a three-day journey from the Silvery Sea, and the fish can't last. Yes, said the princess. It's a three-day journey by ox cart. But is it still a three-day journey on the fastest horses in the land, ridden by the bravest hunters any of us have ever seen? The mouths of the tall and short wise old men opened and closed, as if they were going to say something, but no words came out. It seems to me, continued the princess, that there are hundreds of hunters in the northern forest with fast horses and no animals to hunt. I bet they would be glad to use their fast horses to ride like the wind to the silvery sea and bring back some fish for the people. The king looked thoughtful. There are so many of them, the king mused, that they could spread out and each take turns doing a leg of the journey, so no horse need ever tire out. Yes, agreed the princess. I think if they did it that way, they could get the fish here in a day. The people might get sick of eating fish this winter, but it's better than starving. It is, agreed King Gregory VII, protector of the Far Isles, ruler of the Ivory Mountains, potentate of the Pythagorean Sea, who was also the tickler of toddler tummies and teller of the funniest knock-knock jokes and the bestest of daddies. 
He pointed at one of his astonished advisers. You, he ordered, ride to the kingdom of blessed immediately and offer them a treaty of safe passage through our kingdom in exchange for a small highway toll. You, he pointed at another man, go and stop the huntsman who was just there and ask if his men would be willing to do us the service of becoming our food couriers in this dire emergency. You, and he indicated a third man, ride immediately for the kingdom of dearth and contract with them for all the fish they can supply for the duration of the winter. Tell them we have the means to pay for it and they're not to worry about transport. Go, 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 all of you. Meanwhile, I need to have words with my primary advisors on economic and foreign policy. And so the other wise old men scurried off on their errands while her father stood there and explained to the tall and short wise old men that his daughter, the princess, would now be his primary advisor and they should consult with her before making any more recommendations in future. And so it was. The people of the kingdom were grateful for the seafood that the hunters brought them, which was just enough to see them through the snowy winter, although they were all thoroughly sick of fish before the next harvest. The kingdom of Blessed were delighted with their new trade route to the Silvery Sea and happily paid a generous toll in exchange for the lucrative benefits of selling their jewels around the world. And from that day on, the Princess Pansy would spend every morning digging holes with her baby brother in the garden, and she would spend every afternoon making cakes and pies with her mummy in the kitchen, and she would spend every evening perched behind her father's desk, listening to the problems of the kingdom, and giving her best advice when she could. And sometimes, if it wasn't too busy, they would both sneak away from the throne room and play checkers together, which the princess usually won. And the wise old men did not like that, not one little bit.